We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. Your one place to look for all the latest news and analysis of every day for the Green Bay Packers. My name is Mike Wemland. Alongside me, Chris Schimmel and Tyler Grzegorek. As it is game day for the Packers, week five as they take on the Dallas Cowboys in what has been a quite successful stadium for them to play in in Jerry World down in Arlington. And the Packers looking to get to 4-1, Dallas the same, and both teams going in very banged up, and both teams looking to prove something after week four losses to some very powerful teams in Philadelphia and New Orleans. But before that, Tyler, Chris, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. A little nervous for this game just because, I mean, everybody, when they saw Packers-Cowboys, they marked it down on their calendars. But now with all this going into the game, with so many question marks, I, I so far... Besides the week one game against the Bears, I'm the most nervous going into this game, but a really ex- a good kind of nervous, exciting. Yeah, that, uh, this has all the makings of a rematch waiting to happen. Um, I think both teams are pretty good. Uh, Dallas is likely a, a deep playoff team. Green Bay is looking to be much better than we expected them to be this year. And uh, I think this is a game that we look back on in a couple months. Uh, 
you know, whoever wins this game, we're going to be like, well, neither team was at full strength with the Packers not having Devontae Adams and the Cowboys possibly possibly being without both of their tackles. And we see a game in the playoffs where both teams are at relative full strength. And I think that this is kind of one of those games. And we kind of look back on it and are maybe able to pick some things out. But uh, really, with, with both teams missing key pieces, it's going to be um, not exactly, I think, the matchup that it could be. But it's going to be a good one nonetheless. It's Packers-Cowboys. Oh, absolutely. And we'll get to the injury report in just a minute or so. But again, don't forget, everyone listening, go to wherever you can find your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Give us a subscription. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Let us know how you feel about us. It really helps us out. And we really appreciate it very much. And then just go to the Packaday Podcast or at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. But as we start the second quarter of this NFL season, taking a look at the injury report, the ever-important injury report, and ever-growing injury report for these two teams. We'll start with the Dallas Cowboys. They are going to be without their left tackle, Tyron Smith, who's out with a high ankle sprain. That happened late in their game against New Orleans last week, and that's a huge injury for them. On the questionable side of things is right tackle, Lyle Collins, with a back injury. Starting defensive end, Tyrone Crawford, with a hip injury. Wide receiver, Michael Gallup, with a knee injury. And defensive tackle, Antoine Woods, with a knee injury. And if I remember right, all five of those guys are listed as starters. So that's five guys in the lineup who could be out. And that's that's some serious firepower that they could be missing, if especially in the trenches, if those guys can't go. So, Tyler, what are your first, implica- first uh, I guess, inferences from this injury report for Dallas? Yeah, the, the backup for Tyron Smith, when he came in against the Saints, it was only three plays. And granted, he was probably sitting on the bench, you know, um, just kind of waiting for the game to end necessarily because it was kind of a Hail Mary's type situation. Um, but he only came in for three plays, but he got rocked on all three plays. On every single play, he was in Dak's lap. So maybe he'll be a little bit better when he has a week to prepare. But uh, Cameron Fleming was the backup for Tyron Smith um, against the Saints. We'll see if that we'll see if that holds uh, when, the, when the two teams take the field on Sunday. Um, but if both these if both these tackles can't go, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, boy, Dak is going to have a rough day, I think, because Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith are just going to kind of have their way. Rayshon Gary is starting to make a little bit more impact um, in that sub role. And oh, that's going to be huge because the Packers are missing players in their secondary, key players in the secondary. So they're going to need all the help they can get to stop this, this actually – now potent Cowboys offense. Um, I think in terms of DVOA, they're the second best offense in the league. So they're getting back one of their better weapons, uh, a guy that you know a lot of um, a lot of Packer fans have had the privilege of watching myself and um, Ross Uglum and a couple of other people really tote and Michael Gallup and uh, a guy that he can really kind of impact the game in a really 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 positive way. So he can kind of break off that big play at any moment and. The Packers are just going to need all the help they can get. They're going to have to get that pass rush home uh, this week, and the both tackles being out is going to be, play a big part in that. Yeah, those are definitely some big injuries. And Dallas' defense, if Crawford and or Antoine Woods can't go, we're going to see a lot of Christian Covington, uh, Kerry Hyder, Dorrance Armstrong, let's say the backups around there, uh, Tristan Hill. But Crawford especially has been a steady presence for a long time for Dallas, it seems like. And Chris, when you when you look at their defensive line, if those guys can't go, how much will that affect 
what the Packers offense can do with their injuries. Well, exactly. That, that's the key. If they don't have good uh, pass rushers, that's exactly what the Packers need is they need more time in the pocket, especially with Devontae Adams being gone. And this is when you'd want a guy like even just like a St. Brown just to add some depth because Geronimo Ellison and Scanling are really going to have to step up because go up against, uh, uh, you know, uh, Byron Bell, uh, Byron Jones, I mean, and Chidobe. So they're going to need as much time in the world. And especially if these defensive lines are hurt, the Packers are really going to have to establish the run game without Jamal Williams, even more is going to be put on Aaron Jones. So it really causes a lot of questions, which is unfortunate that we don't really know if they're in or out. So that's what is, um, there's so many questions going into the game really based on, are these guys going to play or not? No, definitely. And, and luckily it is a later afternoon game. So in that case, don't have to be announced till about two o'clock central time. So they'll, They'll have some time to get guys out there, get on the field, get stretched out, get loose, and before they make that final decision. So there's that that extra couple hours could help both teams out as far as getting them getting that the extra two hours to get ready. And when you look at the Packers injury report, they have ruled out Tony Brown with his hamstring, Devontae Adams with his turf toe, and Jamal Williams after being knocked silly last week by Derek Barnett. Those three guys have been ruled out. I doubt they will. Leave, I doubt Jamal Williams will even travel. The other two guys might travel, but they will be on the sidelines in street clothes. Uh, Kevin King listed as doubtful with a groin injury, and that is doubtful, not out. And questionable, Montrevious Adams, Brian Bulaga, Kyle Fackrell, all with shoulder injuries, and Oren Burks with his chest injuries. So, Chris, going back to you, how much do you think it'll help potentially having Adams or Oren Burks back in that defensive lineup? Well, I think Adams is the, would be the much bigger impact given how bad the Packers' run defense has been. Now that they're, I think they're 24th in the league in in uh in run defense or no 26 in the league and now they're going up against their biggest matchup yet with Ezekiel Elliott who just got things going but then had a big setback against the Saints I don't see Zeke really having a down game two weeks in a row especially go up against this defense so Montrevious Adams is I think is a much bigger asset than Oren Burks because Oren Burks really didn't do much last year and then all of a sudden with this pretty serious injury of partially torn pectoral muscle. So I think if he comes in, he's going to be primarily on special teams, but he's going to have to shake off the rust to get uh, to be game ready. So I think Montrevious Adams is going to be the biggest asset if he does come back this week. And then Tyler looking even further back at the defense with King is doubtful, but again, with that extra couple hours, you never know if he can get that groin enough to play or not. He could be useful against a guy like Gallup. And with Tony Brown out, who's going to have to step up defensively in the in the secondary? I think it's Josh Jackson's time. If there's ever a time for him to kind of step up into a bigger role, I think it's this week. Uh, you know, with the Packer or the Cowboys, excuse me, boasting a wide receiver trio of Cooper, probably Gallup, and then Randall Cobb, who we all know very well, and they're going to need all the help they can get in the secondary because all three of those guys can get open. So. The secondary is really going to be looking to the pass rush, as I as I talked about earlier, to kind of help them uh, maybe not have to cover for as long. Um, but all three of these guys, Cobb, Gallup, and Cooper, they're going to be able to get open. I'm, I'm so looking forward to Jair Alexander versus Amari Cooper. I think it's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so it's... I think that was one of the ones that I highlighted when I talked to uh, my buddy about this earlier this week. And... Um, you know, but 
that's going to be a tough matchup all day long. I don't expect Cooper to really have a breakout game in that in that respect because let's let's be honest, Jair Alexander is really freaking good, and but I'm looking at Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb to kind of make impacts from the slot and the second wide receiver position because if Tremont Williams is asked to go out there and cover Michael Gallup, that concerns me. If Josh Jackson is asked to go out there and cover Michael Gallup or Randall Cobb, that kind of concerns me right now. So, you know, Mike Patton's going to have to do some different things. I think we're going to see some different looks. I think Mike Patton's going to maybe focus on the run a little bit more. He's going to make Dak beat him. But at the same time, that's going to be really kind of playing with fire because of the potency of this passing offense so far this season. And I don't know what exactly you do. I think you kind of have to pick your poison and say we're just going to outscore them. Yeah, that could that could definitely be a factor. And you never know. Something could happen on uh, – on on Sunday afternoon, where Kevin King it has is finds a way to go. I've seen guys who are listed as doubtful be able to go before. You never know. Uh, I doubt it, but that hence the name of the injury designation, designation. But anything can happen with with those injuries. Another thing to keep an eye as well is if Oren Burks, if he's able to go make his season debut, he could be a big factor against someone like Jason Witten. This that's that's Dak safety net. That's been a Dallas safety net basically since the Nixon administration. Uh, Witten over the middle of the field has been deadly f- ever since he's been a- an NFL player. They missed him with that last year, and they got they now they have that back. Burks could make a big impact there, and I think if Fackrell is limited as well, we could see some uh, some the, the the debut of Tim Williams over in in the pass rushing group. On the other on the other side of the ball for the injuries, if Brian Bulaga's shoulder acts up again. What do we do? What do they do at tackle? Do they put Alex Lightback out there? He had a, an up-and-down game against Philly on short notice. Do they kick out Billy Turner and put someone in like Lucas Patrick at guard? And I guess, uh, Chris, what do you think they do on the offensive line if Brian Bulaga is not able to go? Yeah, I, I, that that's huge. And that's why it's really good that we actually saw Bulaga practice a little bit this week. But Alex Light, you saw him just getting pushed back. I don't think he has the upper body strength to really manage bull rushes. I just think that, I think you hit the nail on the head. Maybe they could put Billy Turner over to right, right tackle and put in Lucas Patrick. And, uh, cause I haven't heard anything positive about Alex light. I, I actually had him earlier this year as one of the guys who you should look out for to possibly make the roster back then before the season started. And right now things haven't been looking too good. So Bulaga staying uh, healthy is huge. Absolutely, and, and then Tyler moving a little further back with Jamal Williams ruled out. And that means we are going to see the debut of Dexter Williams. He's he's going to be up, so it'll he'll so I'm guessing he'll get a few touches, get a few snaps, so they don't completely over overdo with Aaron Jones and Vitali. There uh, well, there are, there are way too way too many Williams on this team now. How many do we? How many Williams are there now? I want to say four. Four. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Um, Williams, Williams, and Smith, and Adams. They, the two on offense, two on defense. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I digress. No, no, no. I mean, the, this. I think the rushing offense could actually be effective. You know, I don't know how effective Dexter Williams is going to be, uh, but I think Aaron Jones could actually have a decent day. I know that the Cowboys are throwing out the, a couple of pretty good linebackers in Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Um, but if they're missing those interior defensive linemen that we were talking about, then maybe that can open things up a little bit on the outside. The guy you're really, the guy you're really focusing on is obviously Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, it's too bad you can't swing Bakhtiari 
around the offensive line just to just match up with him um, because that's going to be the guy that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to key in on, on every single play. Um, and they haven't really done a good job of that in the past. They've been better this year than they have in past years. But, you know, that's the guy that Aaron Rodgers is really going to have to key in on because he's the guy that's going to disrupt this passing game and probably the run game as well. So I'll be looking for Aaron Jones to actually have a decent day. I think they need him to have a decent day in order to be successful against this Cowboys defense because their pass rush is, is just good and their linebackers can cover a lot of ground as well. So in the passing game and the running game, um, they're going to have to find ways to take them out of it. Uh, however however that is with the play action, with with different uh, different types of running plays, you know, find ways to take Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch out of the game because they're going to they're gonna try to dominate the middle, but there might be a vulnerability with those missing defensive linemen. What do you think of uh, Smith and Leighton going up against the Packers' tight ends? Do you see Jimmy Graham having a similar game he had against the Eagles compared to going two straight games without a catch? Do you think that he could take advantage of these linebackers in, in, uh, in coverage? Not Jalen Smith. Maybe not Jalen Smith. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna outrun anybody. If Jimmy's gonna yeah. be successful on Sunday, it's because he's winning he's winning jump balls. He's winning contested catches. And that's something he hasn't done yet, which is very frustrating. He has to go up because with, go up uh, with two hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he needs to he really needs to start making those plays because that's what they paid him a lot of money to do. And uh it's, it would open up this offense a lot more if he could just make some of those contested catches. Uh, I know Rodgers wants him to make some of those plays. I mean, if let's, let's just say we're talking about a, pack, a Packers win from Thursday. It's because Jimmy Graham makes that play at the end of the game. So he is he's an important part of this offense, but it's not talked about enough, I don't think. And his struggles have really kind of, I don't want to say they've held back the offense, but there's definitely certain times where it has completely held back this offense, and um, he needs to be better. I don't know if this is the week because I don't I don't like the matchup for him necessarily, but he needs to be better to get this offense rolling, especially without Adams. Especially without Adams. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I do think he can have a solid game because I I think he can body up Smith a little bit because I think you're gonna use him a lot in a lot of those quick passes up the seam like they did a little bit against Philly. They had a lot of those quick eight-yard, quick, just quick snap-and-go plays. And and well, he did tr- struggle with some of his catching of the ball, of but he did find a way to get open on the scramble drills. I think that could help a little bit as well, especially if Rodgers has to escape the pocket. But the linebacking court is very, very strong for Dallas. And when it comes to guys like Jalen Smith, and, and another thing to keep an eye is also is Smith likes to try and hit. He's going to try and take guys out of the game. That's kind of been his M.O., He's made some very heavy hits that have gotten him in trouble. And, yeah, I think he's going to be flying downhill to try and do the same against Green Bay, especially knowing that their skill positions are short-handed. But I think we're going to, I think we're going to be see uh, there'll be a heavy dose of two tight end uh, for, for Green Bay. I think we'll see a lot of Graham, a lot of Lewis, a little bit of Tanyan, but I think it's going to be a very heavy lineup, and I think they're going to try and exploit some long t- uh, clock-killing drives to try and cover up for the loss of Devontae Adams. And it's going to be... Interesting to see how both teams use the middle of the field with veteran tight ends who really neither of them can really run anymore with Graham and Witten. But on the, on the other on on the other side, the middle of the field in the secondary for Dallas is kind of vulnerable. Heath and Woods are all right, but they're not great. And I think if they can use Graham and Lewis in the middle of the field to open up the deep ball to a guy like Valdez Scanling or or Kumarol, there could be some good things c- coming forth for the Packers offense. But it's all going to start 
just getting a little bit of time to Rodgers. And if Tyrone Crawford can go, that's going to be huge as well. So looking toward when Dallas has the football, the Packers defense has been, there's been a lot of talk ever since the Philly game of whether they are for real or not, whether the Philly game was an aberration, whether the first three games were aberrations. And I've seen a lot of stuff of, oh, it's the same old Packers D or it's, or it was just one blip on the radar with what happened with Philly and they're finally they're facing Doug Peterson offense and Carson Wentz. So I guess when Dallas has the football, uh, Chris, I'll go to you first. What's what's going to be going through your mind with the Green Bay defense? Well, a lot, I think, has to do with what Dallas does on their first and second downs. If you take a look at the percentages of, of their pass rate on the first down, week by week it's gone down. It's gone down from 69% in week one to 64% to 53% to 50%. And I think that has to do with Zeke Elliott coming back in and getting things going. Because Dallas is going back to the team that it was where it was trying to get manageable third downs. So I really see them either running Zeke early in downs to try to see if the Packers run defense can stop them. And if the Packers run defense can't stop them, then why stop doing it? I feel like they're going to try to feed Zeke early, especially without the their tackles, their left tackle being out and their right tackle being injured. I think they might be afraid of, of uh, the Smiths coming at them. They combined for seven and a half sacks and a league-high 15 quarterback hits. So I feel like they're going to really continue – beating Zeke the ball in early downs and get him more involved in the passing game. Because if you take a look at the first, uh, I think the first three games, Zeke had only five total catches weeks. And then the last game against the Saints, he had six. So I think that uh, they're going to try to get Zeke the ball as much as possible. And Tyler, I'll ask you, uh, you the same thing. How much will the play action game play in effect for the Dallas offense, along with the dual running backs of Elliott and Pollard? And really, what can Green Bay do to try and slow them down with uh, with Kellen Moore calling the plays? Well, I think that the defense got tired on Thursday against the Eagles. I I just think that they were out there for long drives. They were getting run over by Jordan Howard, and I think you know it started early the the success of the Eagles running game, and it just kind of never stopped. And at that point, when you're just chasing down a running back the whole time, you get you get pretty tired. Running plays are some of the most tiring plays. You know, in a football game, and that's why running has been so, such an important part of success, whether we want to admit it or not. It's been an important part of success, uh, successful football teams for a long time because that's how you control a game. It's how you wear down a defense. And I think that this game uh, is going to come down to whoever can run the football better. In, in a game where both offenses have the capability to put up points via the passing game. You know, the Packers are going to be missing Devontae Adams, so they're going to have to find another way to produce. I think it's going to be through the running game. Um, the, the Cowboys, obviously, are looking at this, um, this matchup with the Packers, and they're licking their chops because of how bad the Packers have been against running backs. Now, I, I think that Mike Pettin, he he's a guy who makes adjustments week to week, and that's why I love him. And he's a guy who's going to come into this matchup, and he's going to pick one... Uh, one or the other of this offense, the running game or the passing game, and he's going to try to shut it down. I think he's going to try and shut the running game down. As you mentioned, Ezekiel Elliott has been coming back. He's been getting healthy. He's been getting back into football shape. You know, He said he was in football shape before, but you're never really in football shape until about week five or six of the, of the NFL season. So Zeke is finally getting back to his full strength. I think the Cowboys are going to – that's going to be the key to their offense this week. Um, with Tyron Smith, and Lyle Collins hurt, uh, you know, Tyron Smith being out, the Cowboys are going to have to do 
whatever they can to create a little bit of extra time for Dak Prescott. So that's, I think, kind of how this whole game is going to go for both sides because the Packers are going to need extra time on offense to get Jarmo Allison and MVS open because the corners that they're going to be facing are pretty good corners, and Chidobia Ouzier, Jordan Lewis, and then Byron Jones is one of the best corners in the league. So, you know, the the offenses are going to need these running games to be successful so that they can implement the play action, so that they can slow down some of these playmakers, specifically uh, in the linebacker area for Blake Martinez for the Packers. You know, they're going to have to get him to slow down so that Ezekiel Elliott can, can really kind of work his magic on the inside because Blake Martinez is a run stuffer for the most part. Um, Kenny Clark is going to have to have a big day. Um, Montrevious Adams coming back is going to be huge for that. But basically, they're going to get the other running game going so that they can get the play action going because I think that that's how ultimately these teams win this game. No, I agree. I think the big thing for me is I think Kenny Clark's going to be the most important player on that defense. See, if he can, if he can effectively neutralize Frederick and or uh, Martin in the interior of that line and not let that, those guys get to the second level, that's going to free up a lot of things for Martinez, Burks, Goodson going downhill to try and stop Elliott before he can get ahead of steam. Like I said, Montrevious Adams is going to be big going up against Cameron Fleming mostly. If he can make some plays, that can be massive. And then Dean Lowry's got to really bounce back. Uh, he had a, he had a fairly rough game against Philly. Part of it's Philly's offensive line is that stinking good. But I do think if he can hold just kind just hold the point with those three guys, just hold the point. You can get in the backfield great, but don't let the linemen get to the linebacking core. And you got to keep those guys clean. And so if they can do that, I think Zeke Zeke can be brought down. He's not he's he's great, but he's not he's not Walter Payton. He's not un, he's not unstoppable. So I think I think Tyler, you're right. Mike Patton's getting a game plan. I think to stop Zeke Elliott and make Dak Prescott beat him, especially with some banged up and old and aging weapons for Dallas. And Dak had a great first couple weeks, but he did struggle the past couple. He's now up to three interceptions on the season, and, and I think he's he's. He at times can be a little lax with the football, especially with the way he holds on to it. He he if he's if he's pressured, he, his game changes dramatically if you can get in his face. And he's a guy where if you can force a turnover early, that things can snowball on him. And I think that's gonna be kind of Green Bay's goal to just kind of make things miserable just for that just that front group and to get to Prescott's face. But on the other side, the Packers offense shorthanded there's no denying how big of a loss Devontae Adams is with that toe injury that there's no stating how that that's the biggest receiver injury since Jordy Nelson in 2015 this this is actually a back-breaking injury for sure but they just have to rely on Kumaro, Allison, Valdez-Scantling, Shepard, Lazard all five of those guys are gonna have to step up and and be and get on the offense and get on the same page and it's it's going to be definitely a, a new threat for this Packers offense. It's going to be a new look offense we're going to see this week with without the Rodgers safety net essentially out there. So, Chris, I'll go back to you. What what are you looking at when the Packers have the football? Well, number one, this is by far the best uh, quarterback Dallas has faced this season. If you look, Eli Manning, Case Keenum, Josh Rosen, and Teddy Bridgewater. So, Rodgers has an ability to throw receivers open that these other quarterbacks couldn't. So that, that's one advantage there. And then, too, like we brought up the Jimmy Graham going against the tight end, going against the linebackers. I think that's huge because Scanling has been inconsistent and Allison, too. And so I really – the key here is that Rodgers is going to have to sometimes find a second and third read 
but unfortunately, when his first option's open, he just sometimes scrambles and he has to improvise and just make a big play on his own. So I really think that really what it comes down to is the Packers' run game really needs to set the tone and not necessarily uh, so many runs on first down like if they did against the Eagles, but they really need to get a good running game going so they can really utilize the play-action pass, and that can help get some of these receivers open. Because I, I really don't see Scantling and uh, Allison consistently winning these matchups, with, uh, especially now that Devontae Adams is gone. Now they have to go up against number one and number two corners. So I really think running game needs to, to do the work to open up play-action for him. And, and Tyler, and I, I was listening to some local radio earlier this week, and they were talking about Aaron Jones and what he could do. And getting him in space, he's getting him touches. doesn't have to be rushes. Getting him some passes in the flat, passes on a wheel route. He could be an X factor, like you said earlier, as well. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts on this Packers offense and what they can do and what they need to do to, to get to get some, something going against this Dallas team? You know, I think the guy who's actually under the most pressure this week to perform this week is actually Matt LaFleur. And the reason I say that is because he's not going to have Devontae Adams. But this is really his time to shine and say, I can build an offense that works, whether it has a star receiver or not. And adding a star receiver to the offense is just going to make it better. That's Because that's ultimately what you want, right? You want an offense that doesn't need star players to function, but then star players just make it elite or you know next level. And I think this is really a week that that Matt LaFleur is going to have to kind of show up. And he's going to have to come out there with a full four-quarter game plan to get this offense putting up points because I think that's the only way they win this game this week is by putting up probably 30 points. You know, they're going to have to outscore the Cowboys this week. The defense is going to do good enough of a job. Uh, hopefully they can actually get a turnover this week. They didn't get one against Philly, but hopefully they can get a turnover this week. Um, that was a big part of their success the first three games. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what, what LaFleur kind of cooks up because he's kind of he's come up with some pretty fun stuff the first four weeks, um, stuff that we haven't seen and we never would have ever seen under McCarthy. Just fun, just fun stuff that is different and kind of innovational. So he he's the guy that I'm really looking to to – this week to get this offense going you know i love that you said that because you hit the nail on the head great coaches don't necessarily need the star players like you look at bill walsh that's why he created the west coast offense to make average players good and then good players great and they win two super bowls and then they get jerry rice and it's like having a new toy for christmas that's why mike mccarthy got so much uh criticism in 2015 jordy goes down and the entire offense you know goes to hell so this is going to show it. Can Matt Lafleur do what Mike McCarthy couldn't when your number one receiver goes down? I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think he can. Mike McCarthy's offense was predicated on, hey, win your one-on-one matchup. That's exactly what this is. Is everybody's got a man in front of them? You beat that man. That's not Lafleur's offense. That's not Lafleur's style. I think that Lafleur can. I think he can mitigate the loss of Devontae Adams. Exactly. Yeah. With McCarthy's offense, it's like it needed premium gas in order to run. And that's not the same with Matt LaFleur's. Matt LaFleur's, he, I think he can get the same kind of horsepower, but on cheaper gas. No, I agree. And, and just kind of a fun note, I'm looking at some of the numbers in front of me for Aaron Rodgers. He is less than a 100 passing yards away from being number six in the league. So for all the talk of him having a, a, a slow start, I think that's kind of gone he after the week he had last week but 
I think another big thing is going to be the play in of the interior defensive line, uh, or offensive line, I should say. Keep an eye on Lindsley and Jenkins. They've gotten better and better as each week as Jenkins has been in the lineup. They've gotten more camaraderie, more continuity with those guys and David Bakhtiari. And so just keep an eye on those guys. They, they can really run behind a guy like Elton Jenkins. They can really get behind him and just kind of run things over, especially if Woods and Crawford can't go. Malik Collins is a good defensive tackle, but he's not exactly the biggest run stopper. So it's going to be very big for Green Bay to just get get some solid yards. But And the other thing is also third downs have to be converted. Uh, I don't know, if Tyler, if you've looked at that too much, but Green Bay on third down has been dreadful in four first weeks. It's been, it's been painful to watch, and a lot of it is they couldn't convert third and short the first few weeks. Last week they were stuck in a bunch of third and longs. And just getting to that third, I seem like they're best at third and five, third and four. So if they can get into those spots, I think that's going to go a big way just because if you can't convert third downs, you're putting your defense back on the field, and that's just getting everyone tired. And just and that's going to be up to Matt LaFleur, like you said, to scheme guys open, get those plays working. Because I, I have a feeling whoever wins the third down battle is going to end up winning this football game. I think that's fair. Uh, I This defense, it, it, it can't carry the team every week. Aaron has said it. It's obvious. I mean, that's just not good football. You can't send your defense to win 100% of the snaps every week. The, they got beat up against the Eagles. Um, they've had a long week to recover. I expect to kind of see them come back out and maybe get a little bit more of the defense that we got against the Bears. Um, I, I just think that they're going to be maybe without Kevin King, obviously. But I just think this defense is going to be a little bit better rested, maybe a little bit better prepared. Um, Mike Patton's going to bring pressure. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun game defensively for the Packers. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that Petten's going to try and do uh, with with hopefully Oren Burks returning. I think we're going to see quite a bit of B.J. Goodson. We might see a little bit thicker packages than we've been seeing this year. So we might actually see Martinez and Goodson on a regular basis. Um, but the defense itself is just going to have to stay rested. Um, and uh, that I, I think that that's going to be a big key is getting the team off the field on third downs because they you know they were they were successful against the Eagles in a lot of ways they just could not get off the field when they needed to and ultimately it kept the drives going and it kept the offense off the field and just the third downs are are a very important part of a football game so uh, I'd be I'd be very very easy to say that the the third come third down outcome is going to have a major impact on this game Absolutely. So as we start to wind things down for this packet, a preview of the Packers and Cowboys, Chris, I'll go to you. Who's going to be your breakout or X factor in the game that can help lead Green Bay to, to a victory? Um, I think the X factor in the game on defense, um, I'm going to say it's going to be if he plays Montrevious Adams to help shut down the run game. If he doesn't play, I'm going to have to say it's going to be either the number two or number three cornerback who's going to have to do really well against uh, – against uh, Randall Cobb and then Gallup. Yeah, on offense, I'm actually going to go with Aaron Jones. I think that he's going to be the most key part of this offense and their success on Sunday. Just like you said, getting him involved in the passing game, making those linebackers work, uh, running him up the middle, attacking those the injured defensive linemen. Um, I think So I think Aaron Jones is really going to be the centerpiece of this offense. And then... On defense, I think a guy, you know, I talked about it earlier, I think a guy like Josh Jackson needs to step up. I don't know how they want to use him. Um, you know, I think he's very effective covering the tight end. I don't know why they stopped doing that. It seemed to be working uh, last year. 
and they, I mean, he's obviously had some growing pains to this point, I mean, it's only his second year, but he had some growing pains, and, but he was really effective covering the tight end, um, this is not necessarily a premium tight end matchup, so I want to see what they try and do with him, um, I, he, he's not a man corner, unfortunately, as much as they would like him to be, so, but there are other ways, there are other ways that you can get him involved on defense that don't involve him matching up one-on-one with a corner. So I would like to see how Mike Patton's going to use him because I think he's going to be a key part of this game. Absolutely. And he says it's not a marquee tight end matchup. Are you trying to tell me it's not 2012 when it would have been with Whitninger? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> Jason Witten is just, uh, man, he looks like a 40-year-old man out there. Like, it, if, when watching him play, like, he he just looks like he's 40 years old. Um, and I think they actually, they probably do about a 50-50 split with that, uh, Blake Jarwin. That's the other tight end. So, uh, but yeah, no. If this was 2012, then Josh Jackson would be that much more important. Me, me personally, my I think my defensive back expectation is going to be Dean Lowry. Yeah, I think he needs to bounce back after being pushed up the ball a lot against Philly. And if Lyle Collins is limited, Lowry could really make some plays and really force the guards to think a little bit more about him instead of just focusing on completely neutralizing Kenny Clark. And that could open things up a lot defensively with how the defensive line and front seven works. And offensively, I think I think it's just going to be whoever's going to step up as that that leading receiver, whether it's MVS or Allison or Kumaro or Darius Shepard, who got a lot more staffs or Lazard. Someone's got to step up. You, you got to think in the passing game, they're probably going to be focusing on Graham, wh- whether we think it's a good idea or not. The, I think Dallas is going to see the name they're going to see, that Rodgers likes to throw to him. They're going to try and kind of neutralize the middle of the field. And it's going to be up to the wide receivers to really step up and make – make some plays to to free things up and to really spread things out because otherwise everything can be condensed so much that it's going to make it really, really tough on Aaron Jones. And so I think whoever can really make some, some big plays in the passing game will will help this Packers offense go. So with that, we will wrap things up for this edition of the Packaday podcast. It is, again, game day for week five. The Packers and the Cowboys, they'll kick off at about 325 Central Standard Time. From Jerry World in Dallas, of course, Packers, I think, are 4-0 on their sense it opened, including a Super Bowl victory and many, many memorable moments and miracles from Aaron Rodgers and crew, and that's that stadium. Hopefully it continues. So, Tyler Grezegork, as we say so long, where can people find you? What are you working on? And Yeah, so you know it's football season when I could probably talk about this part of the segment or the show for about three minutes. <laughs> um, so you can always find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, there's a lot of fun things coming out at the Packer Pulse, or I'm sorry, Pulse of the Pack. Um, you know, there's a lot, with Jacob Westendorf, another Pack-A-Day teammate, so there's a lot of fun things coming out over there. Make sure you're checking that out. Uh, make sure you're checking out Pack to the Future. Um, that's where I do my weekly uh, matchup previews. I do them every week over there. Uh, my weekly matchup, as, a, as I'm calling them. Um, so, them doing that. I'm, write, I'm writing over at Dynasty Nerds. I have, currently have two weekly columns there. Uh, I do so your, for your fantasy football, your flex sits and starts every week, and I also do stock reports for your dynasty team. I think that's it for now, but there's a couple other things on the horizon, so it's really exciting times. Uh, just stay posted and uh, check out the Twitter. And Chris, where can people find you? What are you working on? You can find me on Twitter at, at Chris Schimmel. And right now, I think I'm going to be working on an article all about the first five games as a head coach uh, of Matt LaFleur compared to the first five games of McCarthy, Sherman, Holmgren. I think that'll be fun. Sounds good. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Lennon. I'm still 
working on kind of a longer form Packers history article for Dairyland Express. So keep an eye out for that. And so for that, we'll say so long for now for Chris Schimmel, for Tyler Grazegorik. This is Mike Wendland. Again, don't forget to follow us wherever you can find podcasts or on Twitter at Packet A Podcast. And give us a like, give us a review, give us a subscription, and we really do appreciate that. And stay tuned for tomorrow as well for the game recap as we get to as as Andy breaks down what what went right, what went wrong, and everything that happened over the Packers and Cowboys. Again, the second quarter of the season starts now. I can't believe it's week five already as the Packers and Cowboys kick off at around 325 this afternoon. So for that, we'll say so long. And of course, and as always, go Pack Go. class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.